Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Linux in Ham Shack. Uh, my name is Richard, KB5JBV, and welcome once again to our show. I say our show because I have a partner, a friendly, nice gentleman who, who lets me slide with a lot of stuff. Let me introduce to you, Russ. K5 to you. I don't know why I'm introducing him to y'all, because he is top billing. I'm going to graph a little bit. Everybody said, everybody said, Russ, Russ, Russ. Now, I know there's one place where Russ wanted wanted his name, too, but uh, almost everywhere it's Russ instead of Russ. And I'm, uh, uh, say something, Russ. Are, are you okay? Are you having a hemorrhage or uh, an aneurysm of some kind? Oh, I just. I don't know. It's cool weather in Texas, and I get happy when it's cool weather. It's pretty cool up here, too. I'm Ross K5TUX, and I'm actually broadcasting from Missouri tonight, not Arkansas. So things have been a little weird for me. And now that we have the dogs taken care of, I think we're ready to start the show. Well, once again, for those of you who are just joining us that have, uh, this is your first time, uh, this is a Linux podcast about amateur radio. Or maybe it's an amateur radio podcast about Linux. Or, hell, I don't know, I'm confused. It's kind of the Linux and ham radio podcast about everything and the everything podcast about Linux and ham radio. And a whole bunch of do about nothing. Apparently Cheryl got the dogs under control because she's back. All right. Well, uh, I got things backwards. We got things backwards the last time around, I think, unless Russ turned it around and... I haven't heard the last show yet, but um, we're going to do feedback at the end like everybody wanted us to do this time. But uh, first off, let me talk about this a minute. I'm about ready to trash this uh, Linux Mint. I'm about to trash this Linux Mint. Now, we will continue to promote Linux Mint as the best uh, version for the new person coming over from Windows, which, when you think about it, really doesn't say a lot. However... If you're somebody who's trying to get something done, <laughs> back off to Ubuntu or Debian. Isn't that right, Russ? I'd say that's right for me. I backed off to Debian. I think I mentioned this in the podcast previous, but I backed off to Debian about a month or a month and a half ago. I, I just, it kind of felt like going home a little bit, returning to Debian. And while Linux Mint is still good for, you know, the new user, somebody who just wants something to get up and work, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Debian from now on, I think. I still got this one Ubuntu machine, but I'm thinking of going back to Debian on that too. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if I could, if I could lay the Ubuntu interface, the, the 
what I look at over the top of the Debbie, and I'd be on it in a heartbeat. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons I haven't really gone back at this point is uh, kind of rough. But that's okay because the inside, if the inside, you know, it's like that old beat-up car you you drove for 20 years. It may be dinged, it is scratched, have a, have huge spots where it's faded because of the birds and everything else, but it's still got another 100,000 miles left in it. So, there you go. All right, so. I've barely right. been driving for 20 years. All right, you. <laughs> Don't start. Oh, here, you okay, can hear so- me mixing my rocket fuel. There we go. He's over, He's over Radley. That's right, I'm Radley. Yeah. Well, there you go. So let's go ahead and move on to the announcements. Uh, I guess we got them. Russ, what is this about the Ustream TV feed? The Ustream TV feed thing is pretty simple. I'm going to stop doing it, or we're going to stop doing it. Ustream is done for, for Linux in the Hamshack. This will be the very last episode that is broadcast via Ustream. I have on the website a link to the streaming audio, and I have a bulletin on the Ustream feed tonight (coughs) that says where the streaming audio is. And for everybody who would be in the chat room normally, they'll have to go to the Freenode chat, which is at irc.freenode.net in the channel Pound LHS Podcast. That's where we're going to be from now on. No more video, just audio streaming. We'll still be live, just audio. Oh, no, they won't be able to see my pretty face. No, but considering we were video streaming an audio podcast, it seemed kind of pointless. Plus, there was a lot of uh, bandwidth involved that seemed a little unnecessary. And I've had an IceCast server set up for ages and ages and ages, and we might as well just let people listen to it that way. Well, there you go. I kind of thought we were doing a little overkill on the video uh, also. I know a lot of y'all like that. Those of y'all that show up regularly for the most part, I guess it probably wouldn't make any difference to y'all because we really don't do much with the video. Y'all sit and watch me and Russ sit in front of a microphone and talk for uh days. But that's okay. That's okay. If I can get this streaming audio thing working, I might give it a try myself. But of course, I guess it's not important for me because I get my stream over whatever phone system we decide to use. Tonight we're going to have pretty extensive show notes in the, uh, when the show notes come out because, uh, we actually had time to get a lot of this stuff put into a format where the fella in charge of the show notes, Bill, uh, y'all all know Bill, can get them on the website in uh, pretty good fashion. So all the links will be there, everything will be good, and and actually I think we're probably going to be better off without the video. All right, so uh, let's see. What we got next? Uh, oh, yes, the Magnet Conference, MagnetCon. Tell them about MagnetCon, Russ. Okay, you're making me do all the work first, but that's fine. MagnetCon is the Mid-America GNU Linux Networkers Conference. It's a show that I and Cheryl and some other people are trying to put together. It will be on May 6th and 7th, that's a Friday and Saturday, at the Marriott Union Station in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, did I say that was May 6th and 7th of 2011? If I didn't, I'm saying it now. So go to... Show notes. I did? It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes, that's right. 
So make sure you go over to magnetcon.info, submit your speaker application if you want to be a speaker. If you know somebody who would be willing to sponsor the show, send us an email. All of the information is over there at magnetcon.info, and we're trying to keep it as updated as humanly possible. We'd like to see a great turnout there in St. Louis, so make your plans now. And if you wish to be a microphone, go ahead and send your application in for that also. Uh, all they need is a picture of your head with a, uh, a windscreen over it and uh, some unique words display and telling why you would be the best microphone for MagnetCon. All righty. <laughs> y'all go out and uh, y'all go out to to uh, MagnetCon, y'all. If you can get get out there, go on, check it out. Um, Russ and Cheryl and several others have put some serious work into this, and we want to see it pull in as many people as Southeast Linux or Ohio Linux Fest. Uh, we'll just see what happens. Well, way more than that. We want to see twice as many people as go to those shows. How about as many people as went to both? How about twice as many people as went to both? We might as well aim high since we're going to aim. There you have it. Y'all go on out to MagnaCon. There'll be more information over at the Linux and the, we- Linux and the website Hamshack. Uh, the- <laughs> I've got one of those right over here, but you can't see it because there's no video tonight. And there you have it. Uh, go on over. <laughs> To the Linux and the Hamshack website. All the information for MagnetCon will be over there. Uh, go on over there and check it out. We didn't put that in the show notes, so somebody else is going to have to put it on the website. All right, so uh, Linux and the Hamshack got to mention, or no, episode 39 of Linux and the Hamshack. Holy cow, the world's coming to an end here. Can y'all hear that? I can hear that. If the world comes to an end, I'll carry on with this side of the podcast. Just, Just so you know, I want you to die. You know, at peace. Holy crap. Sounds like somebody's either strangling 2,000 cats or a siren. Well, there's a siren, and the dog has learned to sing when the siren's about. Okay, you can shut up now. And unfortunately, she hangs out down at this end of the fence, which is like 10 feet from my window. We have been, had episode 39 published over at all, of all places, Hacker Public Radio. Hacker, Hacker Public Radio, you know you have made it in the, in the Linux podcasting world if you end up on Hacker Public Radio. We don't talk enough about Hacker Public Radio over here, but it's a great resource for you folks wanting to, uh, get more knowledgeable about Linux. They have, uh, different programs that show up over there. For the uh, entry-level guy all the way up to somebody that knows way more than I do, you know, y'all really ought to check it out. Uh, I believe most of the uh, most of the uh, programs over there can be listened to on most of your media players. So go over and check it out. HTTP colon stroke stroke hackerpublicradio.org. Y'all go check that out. Uh, episode 30, I don't even remember what episode 39 was, Russ, do you? I do remember what episode 39 was, and unfortunately, it's the one you weren't in. So, uh, sorry about that. That'll be another time that Russ gets, Russ gets mentioned and I don't get Jack. Well, you're going to take care of that tonight, right? That, that's what tonight's all about. What? Getting Jack? Well, getting Jack and making sure that everybody knows that the show is all about you. No, it's not all about me. I just would like it to be a little bit about <laughs> This show's more about you than you know. 
<laughs> and I need to quit because you're going to think I'm serious. <laughs> I never think you're serious, so you don't have to worry about that. And there you have it. All right, so it says here that you were briefly on Linux basement number 62. What happened? They had a an invitation for a call-in show where people would just get in there and have a sit-down, round-table kind of thing. And I went ahead and joined up. And because I'm in my other studio for the next few weeks, I had a little bit of an audio problem. And that's why Chad was a badger, because I tried to jump into the conversation a couple of times, and he kept saying, well, your audio sucks, we're just going to move on. I'm just kidding about that, Chad. I understand everything was kind of screwy, but I managed to get everything fixed to uh, at the very end. So I think I managed to plug the show, plug my show, plug uh, Linux in the Ham Shack, and that's about it. That's that's about it for my appearance on Linux Basement. So there you go. So so Chad is Chad is only a semi badger, semi badger. Chad. He's a quasi badger, and only for a brief few seconds. Well, there you go. Y'all go on over and check out Chad's show. We've been knowing Chad for a long time. He's a great guy. He he He's really done a lot for uh, the folks in the Linux community. Y'all go over and check his show out. Sometimes the concepts are a little bit out of the range of somebody that would be your average desktop user like myself. However, there's a lot of good content in there for everybody. Y'all go on over and check out Chad's show at, uh, http colon stroke stroke linux in, oh uh, no, linuxbasement.com. Well, let's try that again. linuxbasement.com. <laughs> and, uh, you know, say hello to Chad. Tell him you heard about him. Tell us you, tell somebody you heard somebody say something about it. Thank you very much. Oh, and don't forget Claudio Miranda. He's on the show too now. I can't even say that name. Just call him Claudio, or you could call him Claude for short. Never mind. I'm going to leave all the bad jokes out. All right, so this brings us to donations. It looks like we had three, Mitch D., Bill A., and Jim C. I guess there weren't any call signs. No, there were call signs, but I think at some point I we, we had talked about not identifying the people who give us uh, money, you know, who, who make donations, and at some point we were – giving people's first names and call signs, which means anyone can go look up and see who they are. Uh-huh. So there were call signs associated with these donations, but I figured it would just be easier to call them Mitch D, Bill A, and Jim C. That way they know who they are, but no one else does. But anyway, well, thanks, guys. We really appreciate the donations. Yeah, there you go. And if, if you send a donation in, you'd like us to go ahead and mention you a little, a little more so, uh, giving a call sign or whatever, uh, let us know. Uh, we, we're doing the best we can to make sure we don't offend anybody because there's still that guy out there that thinks we ought to say, um, what was it? Ubuntu, Ubuntu, something. Uh, and we don't want to make him mad because if he's still listening, he's probably not listening now. Thanks guys for the donations. Uh, every, every penny y'all donate, every shirt y'all buy, everything. And here's the commercial y'all. And the only reason I feel right of doing it is because right now public television is doing it here in this part of Texas, and they go on for a month every other month. So um, everything that you purchase from the from the uh, 
place what we have purchasable stuff at, and everything, every penny you send in as a donation gets applied back to the show. I think we bought a hard drive recently. I'm not sure. Anyway, y'all keep up the good work. Oh, were you thinking that I bought a hard drive at some point? Well, no, wait a minute. It was a hard drive cable. Hard drive cable. Serial cable, serial ATA cable, something. Anyway, but there you go. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe it was. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you're, you're correct. Anyway, where were we? I don't know. We were talking about donations, but I think we're going to move on. Send your money in. Damn it. Oh, and buy a shirt. Oh, and if people don't know about the Badger shirts, you definitely need to go check that out. Do you know about the Badger shirts, Richard? No, I don't know about the Badger shirts. What have you done to me now? <laughs> well, I guess this is an announcement for Richard and everybody else. Uh, you should go over to, um, where do I have the Badger shirts? I don't know. Okay, if you go over to the store at printfection.com, www.printfection.com, stroke LHS, you will find the Badger wear. Ah, I like that. Um, I'm just just barely into it. And yes, that will be in the show notes. Printfection, P-R-I-N-T-F-E-C-T-I-O-N dot com, stroke L-H-S. We have our own unofficial motto. I think we do. I like this. Do any of these shirts fit us? Yes, they do. They do. Well, I just have to save me up some pennies because I'm going to show up at a ham fest in one of these. (laughs) I think you should. I'm going to get one for myself, too. Oh, look, there's one in 15 colors. The ones that fit us tend to be, like, white and black. Oh, I hate that. Oh, no, this was 5X in 15 different colors. No, not all of the colors come that big. It says it does. No, trust me. If you select some of those colors and then you go to select a size, you'll see that some of them don't come that large. Well, that sucks. For example, Blue Dusk only goes up to 3X. But that's okay, because I can live with Navy Blue. Yep, and Navy Blue is one of those ones that goes up to 5. 5X, man, that'll drag around my knees. Oh, there you go. You're all set. Oh, you ain't no 5X. No, I actually am. Barely wear large. (laughs) That's right. I can fit into a medium on a good day. There you have it. Okay, we've messed around long enough. Y'all, y'all tired yet? People dropping out of the chat room. We don't want that happening. All right. And thank you for the donations. And, uh, I think we probably need to take a short break. So we'll be right back.
Okay, uh, we wanted to, I want to talk a minute about this. I was, I was uh, looking at Facebook today, of all things. Y'all know I got a Facebook account. Follow some ham radio operators and some other stuff. Y'all know this. It was off for a while. It's back on. But uh, I was sitting there looking at it today, and I follow uh, Russ from over at the uh, Techie Geek podcast. Have, he and I friended each other some time ago. Is that actually even a word, friended? I believe it is. Uh, I think I heard somebody on a podcast not that long ago say that it was in the dictionary. And also the word unfriend is in the dictionary as well. Really? Unfriend, a.k.a. load the pistol. All right. So anyway, and he posted a, a website, and I went over and took a look at it, and I, I find this kind of interesting. The website is documentfoundation.org. And apparently the documentfoundation.org 
is a group of individuals that have decided to rename, rebrand, re-something, open office, and continue on with it as an open source free project. And what they have on the plate, the rebranded thing, would be LibreOffice. And I got to reading down through here, I don't know what they're doing other than they just don't want to have to deal with Oracle. They don't want people to have to deal with Oracle because wasn't it Oracle that bought uh, OpenOffice? Well, Oracle bought Sun, which is where OpenOffice started and all of that. Oh, okay. So, so y'all, Russ knows all this stuff. He could do this show without me. Anyway, so I got to looking around. And it's still in its formative stages, kind of, sort of. Uh, the beta is in release right now. And it appears to be pretty much open office. From what little I've had an opportunity to look at it. I haven't quite installed it yet. There are some known issues with it. There seems to be a shortage of language files. Some of the branding may, may still show something previous. Extensions, you still have to go over to uh, fsf.org, which I didn't put that link in the show notes, for the open office stuff over there at FSF to get extensions and stuff like that for it. However, this is I find this really interesting. It appears that they have it for Windows, Linux, Mac, and even offering the source code. So, um, what do you think about this, Russ? I mean, uh, did they really need to bail and, and do something different? Did I, am I missing something? Uh, I don't think there was any immediate need, but there's a lot of consternation over Oracle's, uh, practices of late. And I think some people took it upon themselves to do a code fork of the openoffice.org suite so that when Oracle gets it in their, you know, strange little head to do something goofy with open office which people are worried will happen it won't matter because there will already be a forked product or a forked project and that project is libre office and uh, i think i'm gonna have to go switch to that here pretty quick looks like they got uh, plenty of folks on board i mean let's start back up at the top uh, the free software foundations on board Google's on board, Novell's on board, Red Hat, Canonical. I mean, they've got all kinds of positive uh, stuff posted here. Gnome's on board with it. Everybody except Oracle, basically. Apparently. So uh, y'all uh, y'all keep an eye on this. The uh, link will be posted over at the, at the website and in, in the show notes for sure. You know, uh, spend some time over reading up on this because, uh, yes, I've been using open office for a long time myself. And, uh, you know, if Oracle does become Oracle or act like Oracle, which, uh, you know, they all show their colors sooner or later, then, uh, this may very well be the next step. And hopefully it's, uh, maintained well enough and, the folks working on it will keep it uh, up to the standards that we've expected from Open Office. But y'all check it out. Let me let me get back over here where I can find the link. The link uh, for those of y'all listening that don't care to go look at show notes is uh, www.documentfoundation.org. 
And that's uh, one word, Document Foundation, www.documentfoundation.org. I don't even, I was so wrapped up in running my head and not paying attention. I wasn't even paying attention if the, uh, if the chat room folks had said anything about it. No, they sure didn't. They've been quiet through the whole talk about LibreOffice. Uh huh. Apparently they found the donuts, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I, I think the forked project will work out pretty well. I mean, they have the entire code base to work from, so they're probably doing some they're probably doing a lot of uh quick development here now that they have the um, the code so that they can make it somehow different from open office but personally i've been using openoffice.org since it was star office back when it was the proprietary sun project and i'm glad to see that people want to keep this going and uh out of the hands of oracle should they decide to do something nefarious yeah cuz that's all we need to be held to held hostage like we've been held hostage over Microsoft Word for years. You know, I remember at one point when you got your uh, got your uh, office suite with your Windows and this was back, what, 3.1 or 95, something like that, you got Microsoft Word with it. You know, now they charge as much for that as they do a copy of the operating system. So, it's nice to know there's going to be a decent uh, free of charge and possibly free as in speech, a piece of our uh, office suite out there that we can use. How's that? I wonder if it's. I wonder if that's in the Debian SID repositories yet. I wonder if they've gone that far. I don't know. You know, uh, I've tried, been trying to figure out how they figure out what they're going to stick into the repositories and not. So I don't know. Go look. You got it running over there. Well, no, actually, I'm on my Ubuntu machine right now because I remember I'm in my other studio. Well, there you go. You need you one of them, these terabyte USB drives like I got. <laughs> I've got I've got terabyte drives. What, what what do I need that for? Uh, well, you make it bootable. This one can be made bootable, and you take it with you. Oh yeah, I, I've got I've got a 500 gig that uh, I actually have with me, but I didn't bother to copying anything onto it. See? All right. We, 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 we've had enough of, had enough of the, the Document Foundation and uh, LibreOffice. Y'all go over to uh, the Techie Geek and tell Russ thank you for uh, uh, showing that to everybody because uh, that right there is the kind of stuff that uh, we really need to know about when stuff like this comes along. You know, uh, even more so on the amateur radio side, we never know what's out there because nobody ever says anything about it. But uh, this right here, Definitely, y'all need to keep your eye on it. All right, we pretty much beat that horse to death, so let, let's, let us approach a topic. I know we haven't had a topic in months, but we got one now. We decided we're going to talk about CQR log. Do you mind if we talk about CQR log, Russ? I'd be happy if you talked about anything at all, so I don't have to. He's so bashful. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Oh, and before we get on to CQR log, I wanted to tell uh, Russ, thank you very much for the information on LibreOffice. He also stole my my name, so he's a badger. All right, now, y'all play nice. I wish you hadn't left, uh, what was it? What was he on before he went and started doing Techie Geek all the time? I don't know. I only know him from Techie Geek. I don't know him from before that. 
Oh, I know. I'm kind of sorry you left Distro Watch. I had to quit listening to it because I couldn't stand the guys that were doing it. I always liked it when he was doing Distro Watch's podcast. Well, he's doing some other stuff now. He's uh, he's on one of the Podnuts podcasts. He's he's still doing the Techie Geek, and I can't. I don't remember which Podnuts one he's on. I think he's on uh, Linux Basics, maybe. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, here a while back, we spoke about CQR Log, probably one of the earlier, earliest podcasts when we were talking about logging software and that kind of stuff. And for a while, I've been thinking that it'd probably be a good idea for us to go back and take another look at CQR Log. For those of y'all who this is the first time you're hearing about it, this is a, a Linux logging program. I don't think it's cross-platform. It may not, it may be. I, I missed that when I was looking at it earlier today. However, uh, it's one of the best ones that I've seen on the Linux side. If y'all want to go over and take a look at it, go over to www.cqrlog.com. Okay, CQR Log, it, it's a pretty full-featured logging file, a logging program. It'll do a lot of stuff. Going down through the information, the... It's pretty simple to install, pretty simple to set up, pretty simple. Now, it's not rolling off a log simple, but it's it's, it's pretty doggone simple. And I was even looking at uh, the installation on the thing, and whereas a lot of times we shy away from an installation with a binary package, the source code is available. You can compile it if you want to. The uh, preferred method for installation by the author of the program itself is the binary installer. And this is simply because when you go to asking for help and you go and start asking questions, this is the easy, easiest one he says that he, for him to work with. And since the English is not the first language of the gentleman that writes this, uh, it's probably best whenever you can to, to, to do what's easiest on his side. Now, there's versions available for Slackware, Ubuntu, Kubuntu, which is the same thing, Mandriva, Fedora, SUSE, OpenSUSE. It doesn't fall into one of those. There, there are packages ready for that, I'm sure. Uh, you can always go get it and compile it. Now, one of the things you have to make sure of, and uh, I'm sure somebody's going to say, okay, I put it on my machine and it don't work. You need to make sure you have the ham libraries installed. You can install CQR log all day long. But if you do not have the ham libraries installed, it will not run. It will not even come up. Now in Ubuntu, that would be, uh, what's that? Libham Lab 2, 1.2.10-3. That's the most current one in the repos at Ubuntu. And I know it works with that because I've got a copy on here running on the machine across the room from the HF rig. Simply because I wanted to get a, get a copy on and have it run and uh, see what I could do with it. Now, a lot, a lot of y'all out there, you run your log mainly to keep up with the contacts that you've had. But in most cases, you're keeping up with those contacts to work some kind of awards. Not always. I mean, awards have never really been important to me. 
even though I do kind of keep track of what I have so that if I accidentally qualify for an award, I go ahead and do the paperwork and send off for it. And CQR log out of the box will track uh, DXCC. And for those of y'all that don't are that are newer and don't know what that is, that's the DX Century Club. That's an ARRL award. You can go over to the website there, and there'll be a link in the show notes for it. Uh, go over and check that out. Worked All Zones. Worked All Zones is an award that was first developed or first brought out by CQ Amateur Radio Magazine. It's getting more and more difficult to know whether CQ is still still has stuff out on the web so you can go find it and that kind of stuff. I was trying to access some stuff on their website today. And I got the website, but I didn't get the content. There's something very similar to a, a WordPress blog or something up on that site at the moment. And for some reason, I could get the stuff on the sides and the banner, but I wasn't getting the text that was supposed to be on that page. So whether they're still up or not, I do not know. However, there are still places out there where you can kind of find out what's going on with this. I'm going to have to check further into it to make sure that this award is still available. These uh, zones set forth by CQ Amateur Radio, uh, there are a couple of contests out there that are structured around them. So uh, that's something else, and we may need to check into that also. It also keeps track of ITU zones. Now, the ITU zones are like CQ zones, but there's more of them, and they're defined by the ITU. There are also contests and awards that are structured around uh, acquiring contacts in these zones. It also uh, keeps up with your IOTA, Islands on the Air. Islands on the Air is a program run by the uh, Radio Society of Great Britain. You can find information on that at uh, www.rsgbiota.org. Info stroke info stroke index. Once again, this link will be in the show notes. However, you would be surprised how many islands you can get just casually uh, operating your radio. There's a handful off the south coast of Texas here. I've worked some in north, north and south Carolina. There's some off the coast of California. It, in fact, there's some that are in lakes inside the continental U.S. So uh, this is one you might want to keep up with also. Now, I've been running my head and running my head. Russ? Yes? Do you want to say something? One thing that's interesting about the IOTA Award is that Many times islands are unmanned, so you have to wait until they have like de-expeditions to these places because some of them are extremely remote. So if you happen to be working the IOTA stuff, uh, be prepared to be at this award for a considerable amount of time because, uh, while it might be fun to be chasing the, uh, the island DXers, it, it can take a long, long time, uh, to, to, uh, actually get this award though. It's kind of cool though, and there's a there's a bunch of other like OTA awards that I've seen. I don't think um, a lot of them are sanctioned, but there was one I saw come up not too long ago called uh, what was it uh, railroad um, terminals on the air, something like that. Are you uh, familiar with that one? I can't remember what it's called exactly. 
Well, you know, I, re- I really don't keep up with those kinds of stuff. Uh, as far as the little thing, I, I don't radio near as much as I used to, y'all. <laughs> so Russ is probably doing stuff right now that I did 10 or 15 years ago and just has slipped completely off of my brain. Well, I'm not a contester. I've, I've made that abundantly clear. I know you're not a contester either, really. Like you said, if you happen to hit one by accident, then great. But it, you you actually have like a WAS though, right? I mean, from from a while back. Well, I mean, I had I've often had enough uh, contacts to uh, qualify for it for a long time. I've just never gotten around sending in the paperwork. Oh, okay. Well, I, I haven't either. But you know, I get on the uh, thirty nine oh five Century Club, and they're they're a net dedicated to helping people get the WAS which has worked all states, by the way. But I, I haven't, you know, I've been helping people uh, try and achieve that award, but I haven't been going for it myself. But CQR Log is definitely a good utility for keeping track of your QSOs and keeping a track, keeping track of these different awards. And uh, the interface that it uses to show you, you know, what contacts you have that meet the requirements for a specific award and what you need uh is really really easy to use. Uh if you go over to cqrlog.com and check out the screenshots, uh you'll see you'll see how it looks and uh the table structure that he puts things together on is is really pretty cool. I think that was all I had to say about that. Oh, okay. Uh I'm sorry. I got a little involved. I was trying to find the criteria for uh for it on the website, uh, I know there's a, a base level. It's not too hard to catch up on. It's not a really high number. But anyway, yes, um, CQR Log will keep up with your islands on there. Y'all go over and check out their website, and uh, you'll get a little more information on it. Now, the last last two that I, I want to mention, these are, like I said, these are ones that keeps track of out of the box. Any decent uh, logging program is going to keep up with most of these anyway. And uh, the next to last one's Worked All Continents. Now, Worked All Continents is what it says it is. There's a handful of continents. you got to work all of them uh, in some shape, form, or fashion and uh, get it get that turned in, And but it'll keep up with it. I mean, it's not as many contacts as you'd be running into with something like DXCC, but It'll, it'll go ahead and keep track of that for you. And the last one that it come, that it'll track out of the box is WAS, Worked All States. Now, that's important to us here in the United States for sure. Uh, Canada, even Mexico, it's important. It may be less important overseas. I really don't know. <laughs> I haven't actually checked into what kind of Worked All States activity that uh, there is across the world, but... That is also one of the major ones you'll find in just about any logging program that keeps up with stats on stuff like this is worked all states. After you get past that, you know, that's the basic stuff that you would want to see, you would see in most logging programs. But there's also a function where you can track, uh, club contacts. And I say club contacts, contacts of organizations that you belong to. And for a lot of you out there, in Russ's case, Century Club. Century Club in my case also. In fact, the majority of my contacts within the U.S. have been with Century Club members. You might be a member of Ole Miss, 
which I am also a member of. Or you may have, uh, well, no, that one's not a club. You may be a member of uh, FIS, which is a CW organization. There's a, uh, a digital HF uh, organization I belong to. And even 1010 International. You might want to keep up with contacts for these clubs. There's also a facility in CQR Log to keep up with these. It comes out of the box with a handful of organizations and the membership of those organizations already in the program. It's found under the members or membership if y'all have already downloaded it or hit pause and went and downloaded it or, or whatever. Look under the members uh, tab. And it'll allow you to track contacts for these clubs and even special event stations. You can make these databases a time-sensitive thing. You also have the ability, in the case of Century Club, Century Club doesn't have a database that is out-of-the-box in CQR log. But if you can go get it or go get a membership list with the call signs and the... uh, and the membership number, because there are member numbers at Century Club. If you go and uh, get a list with this information, you can make your own. They call it databases, but they're text files. They're they're pretty much straight text files, call sign, and uh, membership number separated by semicolon. So it's very easy to create these things and install them into the into the program. Uh, it'd be kind of a pain, and maybe somebody will come up with a program to generate these things. But at this time, you go down through there with a text editor, you make the file, you stick it in the right directory, you do what you need to do in CQR log to get it to show up, and you're able to keep up with these things. So what about that club logging feature, Russ? What do you think about that? You know, I don't think that much about it because I didn't know it was in there and I've never used it, but it sounds pretty cool. Take your little time and go check it out. Does it do the one-by-ones? I'm sure they are. Um, it's like I said, I know Ole Miss is in there. I don't re- haven't really used it. The CQR log is not something I've used in a long time. However, um, I do have it running over here and did check some of the stuff out. That particular feature I didn't check out because then I'd have to go find my backed up log files and load them in there. And So basically you're saying if you have any kind of club database and you can somehow get all the data, you can use CQR log to organize that data for you. Well, I mean, if you can get the call signs and the member numbers, if there are member numbers, a lot of club, a lot of these organizations don't have them. But if you can get them, you can put them in a, uh, a single column text file, then they will work under CQR log. And all the information on how to do this is in the documentation. And I probably need to back up at the end of this and talk about the website a little bit. Uh, because this guy's first language is not English, it took me about 15, 20 minutes today, having been over there several times, to figure out where the documentation was. And it's not because it was mislabeled. It just wasn't labeled very clearly. Let me jump back to the beginning of this for a second. Did you say that CQR log was in the Ubuntu repos? It is not in the repos. Yeah, I was going to say because I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. Yeah. Uh, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, 
of all the logging programs I've seen, this one, and it, like I said, I don't know what their qualifications are to get them in the repos, but it seems to me this one should be in there. Yeah, maybe I need to set up a PPA or tell uh, OK2CQR how to set up a PPA so he can, uh, if not get them into the main repositories, at least allow people to uh, do an app get install or uh, a software center installed uh, using a PPA. Yeah, and it may also be partially because it's not actually a package. When you download it and unzip it, it unzips everything to where it needs to be when you're using the binary file. Yeah, well, it's easy enough to convert a self-extracting binary into a dev package. Believe me, it doesn't take a whole lot. There there you go. I know not these things because you're the computer guy. I know nothing. There you have it. There you have it. So you guys are probably asking right now, what about Logbook of the World? You know, uh, we talked about Logbook of the World. In fact, it's kind of been a, a subject that keeps raising its head around here. But, yes, CQR Log does have integration for Logbook of the World, and it's pretty straightforward. As long as you can, uh, as long as you have TSQL and T- TSQL cert installed, you can go in there, you can put, make the settings what they need to be. It's pretty self-explanatory in the the actual section in the documentation on doing it is not very long at all. Um, in fact, it's only like a handful of sentences, so it's got to be pretty easy to make this thing happen. And uh, Logbook of the World is what everybody's wanting at this time. So it's in there. It appears to work. And, in fact, uh, the guy that writes the thing had put a snide comment on his uh on his page about the fact that uh, ARRL had started running their head about dropping TSQL and TSQL cert and whatever, and uh, he wasn't completely happy about that. So uh, have you had a chance to take a look at that, Russ? I did take a look at that when I was looking into the Logbook of the World stuff. Uh, One of the things we talked about in the first bit about Logbook of the World is that CQR log integrated it. And uh, I, I thought that was a pretty cool feature myself. And then we got into the big discussion about AR, the ARRL and Logbook of the World and the support thereof and all that, and then found out there was a still development going on for the Linux version of, of Logbook of the World. So it looks like the future of CQR Log and Logbook of the World integration uh, is bright at the moment. So y'all, y'all check that feature out also. The next thing is something near and dear to my heart, uh, the digital side of things. I get, we've talked to y'all a lot about FLDigi, and FLDigi does have some limited logbook capabilities built into it and that kind of stuff. And But CQR log will interface or integrate with the FLDigi and allow you to pull the information from FLDigi over into the logbook without having to actually manually enter it. It'll keep track of things like the frequency and uh, call signs and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's easy enough to get going because all you really have to do is make sure FLDigi is installed. And if you're going to be running digital on Linux, uh, other than some of the stuff that, you know, hard to set up like packet uh, and that kind of stuff, 
If you're going to be running the basic digital kind of stuff that everybody's running right now, you're going to have a copy FL Digi installed. You can fire up CQR log and run it in, what do they call it, remote mode. Now, in the menu, there's a way to, to click and put it in remote mode. Then it'll start drawing the information off FL Digi. You know, FL Digi's in charge of the rig control and, uh, modes, what mode set in, is set in, and all this other stuff, and all CQR log does is get the information from FL Digi, but it'll put it in, get the contact information in there, and you have it going. But yeah, all you have to do is just fire up FL Digi and use it the way you'd normally use it, and CQR log will pick up the information. So this is really coming along, and I like that. Because, uh, when I do get things set back up and start operating full time, you know, with cycle down and everything, I've had more important stuff to do. Well, maybe not more important, but more mandatory stuff to do. And, uh, when I get it all set up over there, you be sure that I'm going to have these two things cooking together because CQR log, it not only as far as logging, but it, it solves so many problems at one time. And this is one of the reasons that everybody's so wild about Ham Radio Deluxe. Now, this doesn't do what everything Ham Radio Deluxe will do, but it's a way to get uh, more functionality going on at the same time. So uh, We need to stop talking about how good Ham Radio Deluxe is or how good everybody thinks Ham Radio Deluxe is because, you know, that's a, that's what you have to compare it to. No, we don't have to compare it to anything. We don't ever have to mention Ham Radio Deluxe again if we don't want to. Yeah, but that's the first question. Can you run Ham Radio Deluxe on Linux? And that's where we say, no, you don't have to run Ham Radio Deluxe. There's all kinds of other stuff. And yes, it is bloated. Uh, it's a Windows application. Anyway, I was going to ask you if you had any thoughts on FL Digi integration. And I was going to say, yes, I do. Okay, say something. Well, the thing about FL Digi is that it has HamLib integration, as does CQR log. So what's really cool about that is if you're using you know, FL Digi and CQR log in tandem for digital mode or, CQ, or CW communication, then the only thing you have to worry about logging is the call sign of the contact and the signal report because between your system clock, which everybody is using NTP, or they better be, and the uh, HamLib integration with whatever your rig is, uh, giving you the data for frequencies and all that kind of thing. All of the other data is taken care of for you. So all you need is your, uh, you know, your, your DX call sign, whoever it is you're talking to and your signal reports. And that's all you have to log. The beginning of the conversation, the end of the conversation, the frequencies, uh, you know, the meter band and all of that kind of stuff is, is, uh, taken care of for you. And honestly, I think if they did a little more work on the uh, radio integration and got something that would actually detect uh, reasonably the signal meter and do some kind of voice recognition or some kind of uh, signal recognition, you could probably uh, even automate the signal report. But that'll be something for uh, a coder who's a little better than I am. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm probably going to have to go back and look at it. But I believe it does pull the signal strength in. I, I believe it does. Well, I mean, that gives you, you know, that gives you the, uh, the S of the, uh, the RST. 
but you still have you still have the subjective parts of the report you need to you need to evaluate. I mean, it would be easy enough for Ham Live to record the signal strength or at least the peak signal strength of any particular transmission. But like I said, you still have that qualitative assessment of, you know, how good the tone is of a CW transmission or uh, how, you know, how spot on that, that digital mode trans, transmission is. And, you know, that, that, I don't know if that can be qualified, uh, by a mechanical assessment. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of the new hams out there wouldn't know the difference between a 599 and a 479 anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. And that's one of the problems I have with the Century Club. Do you, I mean, uh, it's been, it's, I think it's been a while since you've actually been on the Century Club, but you know how they do the signal reports over there. It's like they're, they don't give like a 5-3. You know what I mean? If you're on single sideband. Uh, you know, you don't get a 5-3 or a 5-4 or anything like that. It's like they basically have uh two two four four five seven five nine. That's it. So uh, I've got cards over here that say 5-3 on Well, it's it's a rare bird on the 3905 Century Club who gives an a, a, like a realistic signal report. Well, it's a make a contact net anyway. Get the card. Get get the card. Oh, well, things have changed. All right, we need to run through this, y'all, because we're, we're going long. Let's see, we'll, let's drop, we'll drop that when y'all can find it for yourself. And, uh, the one thing I do, do want to say before, uh, we get too far, too much out of this, uh, too far out of this is that one of the handiest things I, I see on, uh, CQR log is the additional notes area. Now, this is something that I thought logging programs needed for a long time, and it's pretty was pretty simple to incorporate, I'm sure. And the fact is, a lot of folks out there using EQSL and some of the other uh, QSL card uh, services over the internet and that kind of stuff. And this will allow you to add extra information to a contact, pictures. Uh, files with information in them. Uh, there's a handful of formats that it'll read, PDF, I think, uh, HTML, uh, regular text files, uh, uh, picture files, that kind of stuff. And actually, when I was testing it at one point, I went ahead and went over to EQSL and snagged uh, one of the cards that I've had sitting there for years and uh, downloaded it and loaded it into CQR log. So now when I pull up that contact, I can go over to the window and click on the uh, QSL card and see the QSL card. So I know this is like a little thing, but it's one of those things that I've always wanted to see in a, in a login program. What do you think about something like that, Russ? Oh, sorry, I got distracted by the chat room. <laughs> uh-huh. Radio talk. <laughs> We do have to engage our listeners, you know, our live listeners. And by the way, if you're not a live listener, you should become one. Well, there you go. There's so much more going on in the chat room and so much that Russ cuts out because it's not ready for prime time. And y'all really need to come see the live shows. But let's get through this really quick, and then we'll take a short break because I'm sure everybody's got their legs crossed and and uh, going, Oh, God, will he shut up? So, um I'm included in that group, by the way. Well, okay. Let's make quick mentions, a couple more things. Uh, there's auto mode, uh, 
Easy group editing. Uh, I know more than once I've had to go in and edit a handful of or more of uh, contacts, you know, to to get them all jibing together. And it's a whole lot easier to have a group edit thing in there instead of having to do it one at a time. Extremely easy DX uh, cluster setup, which you can either set up for a Telnet cluster, uh, which is interactive, or you set up for HTML cluster, which is monitor only. Fairly good band map for those of y'all that know what a band map is. And uh, a little propagation window, which will give you like the basic solar numbers for uh, uh, the time that you're working. I'm not sure where it gets it from. I would assume that uh, it snags it off one of the clusters or uh, something like that when they throw a WWV uh, announcement. So there you go. CQR log revisited. Uh, did you happen to notice when you were looking at the DX cluster setup whether that was integrated in the same window? Does CQR log break into multiple windows when it's operating, or is it all in one root window? Oh no, you, you open it up in uh, different windows. The uh, that that's always been my problem with a lot of lot of logging programs. They try and stuff everything into one window, so you've got little bitty windows with uh, your contact information and stuff, and then you've got toolbars at the top, and you've got DX cluster running over in the same window over on the side in a sidebar and everything else. No, this this can be broke up into multiple windows. In fact, a lot of stuff does open in multiple windows. And uh, it gives you an opportunity to either minimize them or rearrange them or whatever you need to do to get it most comfortable for you. Well, that's cool. I know we've talked about CQR log uh, officially a couple of times and um, unofficially several times beyond that. And uh, I've really been interested in uh, using it as a logger. Unfortunately, the only real radio stuff I do right now is uh, with the CC they have their own logging software, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire up a copy of CQR log, and I'm going to actually try and just go ahead and make some contacts and see if I can't force myself to be a, a ham radio operator once again. And there you have it. And in fact, I think that CC logger, which is the one they prefer you use so you can see what's going on, and you and I had did an experiment to get it, see if it would run in wine, if I remember correctly. Um it ought to be able to uh, export those contacts in an ADF file, which importing into CQR log wouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah, the, the CC logger definitely does export an ADF, and that's how it keeps its uh, backups as well. So uh, importing that data into CQR log would be uh, super simple, and uh, I'd, I'd like to do that and see if I can't uh, force myself to use CQR log a little bit more and and if nothing else, see if I can't contact uh, M0TZO in, in the chat room, who apparently, from what he says, only has four states towards his uh, WAS. <laughs> well, we need to gang up on him and work him all at the same time. That just mess him all up. All yeah, right. he said, so, he said uh, uh, Echolink wasn't going to count, so we'll have to do it the hard way. Well, there you go. However, we may try to start. <laughs> All right, so there you have CQR log. You can't say enough about it. We never get completely through it, so we may end up having to come back and try it again at some point. Y'all go over and check out www.cqrlog.com. You know what we need to do, right? What's that? We need to interview OK2CQR. That's what we got to do. Yeah, we do. All right, I'll work on that. All right. 
So, without further ado, y'all get up, go on down the hall, uh, get you something else to drink, and as soon as the music quits playing that Russ is fixing to play, then we'll be back. What can you do when a friend is down? What can you do you see want to shout? But he can find the will Just to smile to the sun in the sky You are all refreshed and liquefied and ready to go. We're going to get this feedback on out of the way, and then we're going to head on down the road. 
All right, so let's get on through this feedback. Uh, first of all, we have a, I guess, a Google alert from Elmer, Elmer Shack, StackExchange.com. It looks like a news group of some sort. Uh, AC0CW asks the question, what podcast do you like related to ham radio? N3JIM recommends Linux and the Ham Shack. Did we actually show up in a, in a, you know, news group? Are they talking about us? They were. Well, N3JIM was definitely talking about us. This was a uh, set of forums over at elmershack.stackexchange.com. And uh, AC0QW, Alpha Charlie Zero Quebec Whiskey, posted that question. And our, our listener of a long time, because I know he sent us feedback over the years, uh, N3JIM said that, uh, Linux in the Ham Shack was a good resource, uh, in the podcasting world for amateur radio. Some other suggestions were, um, Solder Smoke and, uh, uh, the myamateurradio.com one, you know, the Practical Amateur Radio podcast. I think those were two of the other suggestions, but, uh, thanks to N3JIM for throwing us into the mix over there. Yeah, we in good company if we're we're in there with the solder smoke and practical amateur radio podcast. Uh Jerry Jerry is taking a little time off. I hope he comes back. Uh they can take that uh, amateur radio newsline and pitch it though. But we would like to thank who N three J A M for uh making sure that we got in there even though we're an also ran. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I, I will say this that um as far as uh, that little bit of time off that Jerry's taken, uh, it has since become a lot of time off. And, uh, I really hope that he gets back on the air, so to speak. Well, as for, uh, someone who has been known to have enough stuff pile up, they've had to take, uh, months at a time off. Uh, I can understand. And I haven't heard, I sent him an email sometime back and never got a response but I, i'll give it another shot here in a in a little while yeah that's jerry taylor um i just don't want nagging because uh i'm not yelling at you i'm just telling you yeah i haven't i haven't nagged him at all i haven't sent him an email or anything like that but i, I think i'm gonna get i think i'm gonna do that because while i know uh when his podcast started up i wasn't honestly terribly impressed with it I have to say that when he went away, I now miss it. Well, let me tell you something. Jerry is the other side of the coin. If you want, if you want to actually know what amateur radio podcast is all about, you take amateur radio podcast and put it on one side of the coin and you put resonant frequency, the amateur radio podcast on the other side of the coin. And that's what they are. Jerry came to me to help him get started. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to say his show is better than mine. Because they're different shows. They are pretty different. But he has a very good, well-produced show aimed at the newer amateur radio operators. And I'll tell you what, it would be a shame to see uh, Jerry go. So, Jerry, if you're listening, get back to work, buddy. And, in fact, I think we ought to start a writing campaign. Jerry, where's the podcast? Jerry, where's the podcast? Y'all y'all go ahead. I'll even... Uh, I'll even post his email address someplace public if y'all like. Just let me know. And while we're griping about lapses in podcasts, let me also say that uh, 
Brady and Rich over at Low SWR, you, you need to get back on the air as well. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to them. They didn't say they were going to take time off. I know they took a break when they went to Ohio for Dayton and all of that. And since then, their their schedule has been extremely erratic. And I don't want that podcast to be a flash in the pan. So they need to get out there. They had a good thing going, and uh, don't quit yet. And that one's starting to come along, too. It really is. And I'd hate to see it go away. But Brady, Rich, uh, Jerry, all you guys, we love your shows. We love y'all. We think y'all are great. We need to keep this good thing going because right now there wasn't but a couple podcasts. When I finally gathered up enough stuff to be able to record myself and do a show, and now... We have a, a good handful of core programs that uh, do a lot of good in the amateur radio community. And I'm not just talking about um, low SWR, practical amateur radio podcast, Linux and Ham Shack, resonant frequency. I'm also talking about uh, ICQ podcast, solder smoke, some of the others that are going on out there. Please, guys, if y'all can, get back at it. Yeah, and that goes for Tracy down and working in the open, too. Talk about somebody who started off fast and fell off the face of the earth in a hurry. There's a good example. Yeah, I was wondering if he was still in business or not. Well, he's he's doing another one of those PodNuts podcasts. I think he's doing uh, either Linux Basics or Linux for the rest of us. Uh, I think it's just Linux Basics. And I, I know he's on there. But, uh, he needs to get back to working in the open, cause I, except for the old time radio stuff, I actually enjoyed his, uh, his current content anyway. Well, there you go. I had to turn that one off. And as far as, uh, Podnuts is concerned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bug Steve Cherubino until I can get over there and, and get on that show, cause, uh, sounds to me like he's got a lot of listeners and, and we need to plug ourselves. Good boy. Say that again. Kinky, kinky, kinky man. <laughs> you're so kinky I don't know if that's staying in what getting yourself plugged yeah that <laughs> okay we also had another google alert <laughs> uh, this one's at another set of forums over at podnuts.com this, this information will all be in the show notes but there was a gentleman Tom who said who else in the forums does a podcast or video cast I'm experimenting with doing one on a different subject ham radio and would like to get some inputs from people who are doing shows now and uh over there uh, the response to that was from computer tech which is computer t e q who said there's a podcast called Linux in the Ham Shack and I uh, gave our website he said, I'm personally not into ham radio, but they might have some info for you. They had a table set up at the Southeast Linux Fest when I was there. And I don't remember computer tech, and I don't know if he came over to the booth and introduced himself or anything like that, but he did mention us over on the podnuts.com forums, so we appreciate that. And the fact that he's not even a ham radio operator and listens to the show and felt it uh, worth mentioning the show, uh, I'm doubly impressed by that. So what do you think? Well, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm I'm a sneaky man. You posted that this afternoon, and I went and found what I believe is Tom and uh, found an email address for him and sent him an email and told him if he had any questions, ask us, and we would help him. All righty. 
So that right there, huh? He's a ham, yes. I don't know. You don't know, okay. But I have no problem helping fledgling podcasters. You know, it's amateur radio, Elmer and Elmer and doggone it. And the fact of the matter is, if uh, the guys over at Podnuts forums are talking about us, then apparently we're doing something right. That's right. We're doing something right whether they say we are or not. That's right. You know, we not only know people in the ham community, we know guys doing the Linux shows also. And um, I'll tell you right now, we're appreciative of every single one. So if he get, he said he was going to a ham radio podcast. So, um, and that's fine. Um, like I said, Jerry come to me asking questions. I can't remember. Somebody else. It just started one, uh, little Paul came and asked me questions about it and they, we will help. We, we want more of these tech based podcasts because we like to listen to them. There you have it. And if Tom contacts me back and if you're listening, Tom, check your email. I'm not a flake. I sent you an email over at Yahoo. If that email address doesn't work, use the one that we give at the end of the podcast. It seems that Fraser says there's a problem with the feed. Uh, what's, it, what's that all about? Well, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what that's all about. He sent uh, an email to us over here, and this is what he said. I've recently made a total move to Linux, and I'm using Rhythmbox for my music player and podcasting. When I was trying to put your MP3 feed into Rhythmbox, it gave me an error. First of all, is that the right URL? And uh, according to the email, it is the right URL. And can you help me get the feed to work? I've tried to use the .og format and got the same error. Thanks for getting me into amateur radio and Linux. I'm taking my basic test in a month. Well, that's cool to hear, Fraser. And uh, we hope you pass that with flying colors and you get your ticket. That would be really cool. And I'm glad we had, you know, some little part to play in that uh, that bit of your life. As far as the feed, I went ahead and uh, tried to install our feed into Rhythmbox on my machine, and it worked perfectly, and I told him so uh, in an email. And he replied that uh, he will give it a shot again and let us know how it turns out. So I, I didn't see any particular problem with what he was trying to do, but uh, hopefully he gets that resolved, and if he doesn't, I'm sure he'll email us back, and I'll uh, try and give him some additional help, or Richard will. One of us will, anyway. And, you know, it's always the little things. It's always some little minor thing. You didn't hold your mouth right or something. That I've been dealing with that as long as I've been dealing with computers. It's always something very, very simple that you don't even think of. There's a lot of times something quits working around here. I'll be laying in the bed just about to fall asleep. And I go, you know what? What if I did that differently? And it ends up being it. So, uh, yeah, Fraser, keep, keep chipping away at it. And, uh, if, uh, you're not able to get a resolution, get back in touch with us. We'll, we'll get it figured out. Okay. So, uh, I also hear that Gorkon was skulking around down at, uh, Ohio Linux Fest and finding out stuff about LHS and QSK. Yeah, Gorkon definitely was skulking around down in OLF along with most of the other guys from uh, the Linux Link Tech Show. And uh, Joel has uh, turned into one of our biggest fans, it seems like, and one of my biggest fans on my other podcast as well. So I want to thank Joel for letting uh, the world know about us. 
I think uh, they've mentioned us a couple of times uh, over at the Linux Link Tech Show on episode 366 and 367. The biggest proponent of Linux in the Hamshack and the QSK netcast has been Joel. So thanks, Joel, for that. And uh, he he's a blogger for GearDiary.com uh, over at http colon slash slash www.geardiary.com. That's Golf Echo Alpha Romeo Delta India Alpha Romeo Yankee.com. And uh, he did a post on the Ohio Linux Fest for this year and mentioned both of the podcasts over there. So thanks very much, Joel. And I want to send everybody over to TLLTS.org to listen to the Linux Link Tech Show as well. Those guys have been around for uh, over seven years doing uh, Linux and technology-based podcasting. So they're like the progenitors of the art. Well, there you go. You know, uh, I ran across podcasting not too long, or podcasts not too long after, uh, I started, uh, working with Linux. And that was one of the first shows. The Linux Link Tech Show was one of the first shows I put in my <laughs> podcatcher. And at that time, I didn't know enough about it. So that show was actually kind of over my head. But, uh, there's so many people talk, about it being so good and everything. And if I went and listened to it again, it'd probably work out for me. You know, it's not their fault. I was a dummy and may to some point still be, but, uh, thank you. And, uh, someplace in here, it gives an idea, a little bio thing. Uh, yeah, Joel, a uh, little bio thing about him. And I am, it makes me happy that somebody that, uh, has a job, has what appears to be his job, which would be very time consuming, has time to listen to our show. And the fact that he's a member of that, the bunch over at uh, the, the Linux Link Tech Show and still has time to listen to our show is, I'm impressed. And I don't even mind not getting mentioned. I don't mind not getting mentioned either every once in a while, except by Randy. Randy bugs me when he doesn't mention me. Well, yeah, but Joel mentioned you. Yes, Joel mentioned me, and I do appreciate that. That's why we're talking about Joel. But he didn't mention me. He mentioned Linux in the ham shack. That's good enough, right? I mean, you're part of the show. <laughs> and I have to say that Randy did say the other guy, so I guess that's a mention. I get the other guy a lot. I find out that in, on the amateur radio side, I'm the one that gets mentioned. On the On the Linux side, you're the one that gets mentioned. I think it's fair. I think it's pretty fair, except for the fact there's more Linux shows than there are amateur radio shows. But that's okay, because, heck. Anyway, what we're talking about, y'all, is that uh, K7AG Randy, uh, y'all probably know Randy. He's he been doing uh, videos for years. It's not exactly a podcast thing, but because it's very kind of sporadic, but he does videos, lots of videos, lots and lots of videos. Most of them are quite good. And in fact, the uh, first year I was podcasting, he wanted me and a bunch of others to do a meetup at Dayton and none of us made it. But, uh, he didn't mention Russ. Randy, the other guy is Russ. K5TUX. K5TUX. Russ. I know he sounds like a Yankee, but we're converting him. <laughs> I'm getting there slow, but thanks, Randy, for mentioning the show over here. Uh, 
I want to say hit the video that I found from the Google alert was over at weez.com, whiskey echo echo zulu.com. Yeah, so, there was a link in there. Yeah, I, I mean, his videos, K7AGE's videos show up in a lot of places, so you can just search on Google for K7AGE and you'll find all his good video content. So, uh, it's okay if you just want to call me Richard and the other guy that, you know, I can deal with that. Y'all heard it from the other guy. All right. So, um, let's see. There was a mention of LHS on the Techie Geek 71. I'm sorry I had to eliminate that one because my thing was full. I should have checked that out. Y'all go over to Techie Geek, uh, Russ. I'm sorry I had to eliminate 71. Um, go on over to Techie Geek. <laughs> And check out number seventy-one. He gave us a mention in there. Did you? Uh, were you able to listen to that one, Russ? I was able to listen to that one. And uh, Russ, the other Russ, uh, actually gave out a little bit of a little bit of misinformation in uh, episode number seventy-one about the show. And unfortunately, I don't remember what that misinformation was. But I guarantee, for everybody who goes over to thetechiegeek.com and listens to that episode, they'll they'll know what it was. Well, there you go. And let me tell you, we like Russ. Like I said earlier in the show, I've been listening to him a long time. I, I wish he'd go back over to Distro Watching, damn it. But go on over to the Techie Geek and ch- check it out. He's got a, got a good show over there. A lot of good information and, uh, easy to understand and pretty well presented. So let's see. We got, uh, we got a website that is linked to us. Uh, what is that? KC8LPZ over at, uh, KC8LPZ.com. Went ahead and, uh, that's KC8LPZ.org just, uh, to make sure we get the right link out there. We went ahead and linked back to him. So if you're, you're in question, whether it's all my org, com, net, info, biz, whatever, Go over to Linux and web shack ham site. Boy, I got the spooner going on today. Go on over to the uh, LHS pod site and cl- click on the link. Go over and see what is going on. I didn't spend a lot of time over there, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's definitely some good information there to be seen. So what else we got, Russ? Well, I just wanted to do this real quick and see how it works, but Brian, who is Dr. Telnet, that's uh, Delta Romeo, Tango Echo Lima, November Echo Tango, over at Identica, uh, followed the, the podcast over there, and we've had a few people follow the podcast, but I'm just going to pick on Brian here. I want all of our listeners to go over, who are on Identica, or maybe even who aren't, to go over and follow Dr. Telnet and see if we can't get him a follow flood over on Identica. Just, just to see what happens. Thought it might be fun. There you go. In fact, I have something else that I was thinking about also. It got mentioned in one of these things and I can't remember which one it was, but, but I'm going to bring it up anyway if we don't run across it. All right. And, uh, we've got, uh, let's see. LHS got a mention by Chris. 2W0PHP. I mean, oh boy, there's a lot of letters there. Uh, actually, the LHS site via BSM got mentioned. Uh, in the signature of Chris over at www.transmission1.co.uk forums. Now, this is what I wanted to talk about. Let's have us a campaign. 
Everybody within the sound of my voice. Everybody within the sound of my voice. That means the ones that are here tonight and the ones that will be here later. Go into your mail program or if you're using a service like Gmail or Yahoo, go in there. Change your signature file to have a small line down at the bottom that says for good amateur radio content or good Linux content. And then put the address of the website next to it. Let's see how many people we can get to do that. Let's see if we can spread the word that way. Let's see how that works out for us. Now, I've noticed that on a couple of these social networks, you could take something and post it and say, I'm post it and other people will post it and before long everybody's had it on their on their page or, or in their twitter account or whatever let's see if we can make this happen go into your mail program or go over to the website where you do your mail and in the signature file down below your signature put for quality amateur radio information or for linux quality linux information Check out and put the website http colon stroke stroke lhs podcast dot info and we will take over the world. Don't you think we'll take over the world, Russ? It may take six or seven months, but I think we'll get there, yep. That's because we're insidious. And what I don't understand is this link took me to the forums this morning and now they just take me to the front page. Maybe they hit it. I don't know about that, but I know it's in the Google Alert that I have somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So thank you for giving us a mention over on the news group. Chris, thank you for putting us in your signature file. Yeah, that's uh, two, two Whiskey Zero Papa Hotel Papa, by the way, just in case anyone forgot that call sign. Right. I have it in my signature file, but I kind of have to. Well, you don't have to. No, it's kind of like having children. You got to tell people you love them, you, no matter how you feel about them. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to leave that in. Okay, we have also been linked from AmateurRadio.com. Now, how they were able to get that URL, I don't know, but they did. And we're linked over there. In fact, they've got a really extensive list of amateur radio podcasts. There's a couple things on here I didn't even know existed. But they've got a pretty good list over there. Go over and check them out. See what they got to offer. Amateurradio.com. It must have been the sheerest bit of luck to be able to get that, even though it does look like a uh, uh, blogspot blog. Have you been over there and checked this one out, Russ? I have, and they do have a lot of cool information over there and, and an extensive list of links to various podcasts and other resources. So anybody who's into amateur radio should je- definitely check out amateurradio.com. And uh, that brings up an interesting thing. There's a link over there on amateurradio.com to KE9V's website, who does uh, the Cornbread Road podcast. And if there was ever um, a ham radio operator that I consider a badger right now, KE9V would be it, because I didn't even want to start listening to Cornbread Road, but I listened to, like, the first three or four episodes on there, and he sucked me in big time, and I got excited about waiting for every episode of that podcast to come out, 
And now he's decided to go on indefinite hiatus after episode number 9 or 11 or something like that. Like right in the middle of when things were starting to get interesting. And it says right on his website that he has no plans to come back at any time soon or until he's good and ready to start podcasting again. You know, that's annoying, man. I mean, you, you had a good product there. You had something that was really interesting. And uh, I hope you actually don't do what it sounds like you're going to do and, and wait a good long time before you come back. Uh, that's a good show. It's different. It's unusual. And uh, I really think uh, you, sh- you shouldn't just go away for a while. Uh, anyway, it's K9V Jeff, and I hope he comes back and brings that show back soon. Well, that's the one I was trying not to slam a while ago. You know, he just kind of disappeared on LDE. Uh, I was actually starting to get used to it, and uh, he just puffed, disappeared. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's very disappointing, Jeff. I mean, come on, bring that show back. You know, be the good guy. Don't, don't be a badger. There you have it. Will Wheaton well, says, don't be a badger. Well, it's, it's like I said, you know, I had just, I hadn't been listening to podcasts very long and L, uh, LDE just quit. No warning, nothing, just poof. I guess he was. Trying to see if the name was still good. His name was still good out there or something. Anyway, that was one that I don't really care for that I was talking about a while ago. Okay, and our next one. I actually got this one on Facebook. So uh, y'all think I don't pay attention to the social network stuff, but I actually saw this one on Facebook. And uh, since I have it coming to me as emails, I, I got it in the box. I went ahead and threw it in here. This is from Fraser. And he says, hey, Richard, thanks for letting me uh, be your Facebook friend. I'm running Ubuntu 10.04 and taking my basic ham radio course here in Canada. Thanks to you and Russ from Linux and Hamshack. Both of the podcasts you put out really rock. Rock, I'm telling y'all. We rock. Yeah, and Fraser is up in Canada. And Fraser, you keep on, keep going. And keep us posted what with what's going on with that. We want to know, and when we hear that you've passed your test up there, let us know, and we will announce it on the show. And that's Fraser up in Canada. All right, last but not least, we've got uh, got one from Don, WS4E. Don's like a regular writing guy. We like Don writing in because he saves us a lot of work. This one came in. Direct email. All right. So it says, FYI, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but both CrunchBang and Mint have versions that use a pure Debian base instead of a Ubuntu base. The Debian Mint is still labeled experimental and is separate from the main Mint, which appears to continue on for a while on an Ubuntu base. CrunchBang, on the other hand, is fully, fully decided that their next version, 10, which is currently in Alpha 2, will be the cutover version, and the current CrunchBang will be the last one based on Ubuntu. Both of these distros are currently based on Debian Squeeze, which is the testing tree of Debian. That tree has been frozen, and it's going to be released as soon as the next stable version of Debian. 
I am concerned if if these distros are planning on staying with the Debian testing because it may experiences testing gets pretty broken during the development cycle. I don't know if I've had a stroke or what. But right now, it's stable because it's the uh, tail end of that cycle. Hopefully, they will switch to the, the stable once Squeeze finally is re- released. I tried both of them out and had no problems at all, although I am sticking with the CrunchBang Debian install. It's great to have two good distros to install and end up with a full Debian install at the end with the entire Debian software repository then then at your fingertips and guaranteed compatible with your system. Both of these are available for download now. You might want to share them with the listeners and give them a try yourself. And that's from Don, WS4E. So what do you think about that one, Russ? Actually, I'm really impressed with uh, both with both CrunchBang and Mint for going with the straight Debian version to uh, build their distributions off of. It, it always seemed, and, and I don't have anything in particular against Ubuntu, but it always seemed a little bit disingenuous to take a derivative of a derivative to build a distribution on. You know, Ubuntu is already a derivative of, of Debian, so to build off of Ubuntu seems kind of a cop-out when you're trying to create a distribution of your own. And the fact that Mint and uh, CrunchBang have moved to uh, a more pure-based distribution, that of Debian testing, uh, I really think that's a good move. And uh, ultimately, I think that's going to make for a stronger distribution uh, for both for both Mint and CrunchBang. And uh, I know when... Uh, now that, now that testing's in a code freeze, once, uh, once the new versions of Mint and, uh, CrunchBang come out, although I don't particularly like CrunchBang's desktop environment, uh, I will definitely check out Mint again at least and, uh, see what they've done with it. Uh, I'm not sure about CrunchBang because, uh, not a big fan of, uh, OpenBox and, uh, LXDE or whatever they were using for the desktop, but, uh, at least for Mint, I'd like to give it another shot since I've kind of gotten away from Mint and gone back to Debian myself. When I saw Debian SID, actually, which is what I've got installed in my workstation again now, I was uh, surprised at how much it felt like just uh, wandering home and being in a comfortable chair again uh, after using Ubuntu for so long. So uh, glad to see glad to see we're coming back to Debian, back to uh, the the roots, the core system that uh, made Ubuntu and, and others so great. So uh, good news as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I'd like to see that myself. I only use CrunchBang on uh, one machine, and I like it on the machine I use it on simply because uh, uh, it runs pretty well for the amount of memory the machine has in it. But, yeah, I'd like to see how this comes along. I always liked uh, Debian. I really do. And it's like I was telling Russ earlier before we started the show, I think, is, uh, you know, the only reason I guess I probably don't ease back to Debian right now is the fact that uh, the interface, the GUI, used to be so clunky. And uh, I'm still a GUI guy. You know, uh, unfortunately, I got used to that for after so many years of using another operating system. And uh, that was it now. 
me and had a Debian base, uh, I'd give it another shot. I'm about ready to get rid of it right now because there's program I need to run. I can't run without things locking up. All that said, uh, you got, I got asked a question simply because I'm, I'm that kind of person. Uh, isn't Debian a derivative of something? No, Debian is its own distribution. Uh, it, it's, uh, actually a distribution. It, it's a core distribution, you know. Uh, one that derivatives are made of, but it is not derived from something else. So it was like a from scratch kind of thing when they made it? Well, I mean, it still uses GNU utilities and it uses the Linux kernel, but all of the things that are part of Debian that makes it Debian, like the package system and the apt utilities and all of that stuff, that's all original. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. See, even I learned stuff on this show, y'all. I wanted to make sure. I figured they all came from one little tiny program that uh, uh, some little guy wrote in his college room. You learn something something new all the time. All right. So uh, we finished that up, and apparently Bill can still hear us. So I think we've cleared the plate, Russ, unless you got something else over there. No, I think we're about done, and we definitely need to wrap this one up. Okay, Russ is getting tired. The puppies are, are making noise. And I understand myself because I had to do puppy CPR around here today. So with that, uh, this is Richard and uh, you can contact me at, uh, all the social networks. I, I know I threw a fit and I said I was going to get off Facebook and all this other stuff, but I'm back. I, I turned it all back on. So Facebook, Twitter, Identica, whatever you want to give it, try, give it, check, look for KB5JBV and I may or may not be there. Or send me an email at KB5JBV at gmail.com. KB5JBV at gmail.com. And if you want to get a hold of Russ, you will check out the social networks and look for J.R. Woodman. That pretty much goes for MySpace, Facebook, Identica, Twitter, and so on and so forth. If you happen to be over at 73s.org, I'm K5TUX. I'm also K5TUX on the IRC, mostly in uh, Linux-based podcast channels over at Freenode.net. And by the way, our channel over at Freenode.net, that's IRC.Freenode.net for IRC users, is Hash LHS Podcast. And by the way, after this episode, that's the only place you'll be able to chat with us in the IRC because we will no longer be broadcasting at Ustream, so there will be no chat room at the Ustream IRC or no chat channel on Ustream's website. So visit us at irc.freenode.net, channel hash LHS podcast. Uh, make sure to leave comments on the website if you want to send us feedback at lhspodcast.info. You can send Richard and I email at info at lhspodcast.info. And you can send us voicemail, and we will play it on the air unless you tell us not to. And we really, really like voice content, by the way. You can call 888-455-0305 or direct at 417-200-4811. Make sure you select the proper option for Linux in the Hamshack. It should be pretty obvious. So I think that's about it for me. I'm broadcasting from a different location tonight, from Studio 2N in southwest Missouri, along the foothills of the Ozark Mountains, just east of Tornado Alley. 
I'm Russ, K5TUX, and down there in Ball Springs, Texas is... Yeah, this is uh, KB5JBV from Under Rock in North Texas. We'll see you next time.